So, I, I know this is a little bit, I don't know if this is cruel or not, but, but I'm one of those people who loves watching kids um, taste lemon for the first time. <laughs> I've already booked a slot with my second granddaughter and said, I, I, I want to be there, I want to be the first one to introduce her to lemon. Is that cruel? You know what? I'll test you. Just watch the screen. Yeah. So you are all just like me. It's that moment, isn't it? It's that moment when you think a thing is going to go one way, and then all of a sudden it goes in a different direction. Last week, Debbie painted a picture for us as she introduced um, our series on the Sermon on the Mount. She painted a picture for us of what it is to be in God's kingdom. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is about. That's Jesus' declaration about what his kingdom is like and and what it's like to be a citizen of that kingdom. Not only what it's like to be a citizen, but, but what it means to be poor and struggling and sinful because it means you can be part of that kingdom. She taught us that often people that even religious excludes are actually invited in to be part of God's, people, God's kingdom. In fact, if you, haven't, if you weren't here and you didn't hear the sermon, please listen to it online. Or if you can't order a CD, you really need to hear it. It was a brilliant sermon. She reminded us that not only are the unexpected people, people like you and me, welcome in the kingdom, but also that as citizens of the kingdom, we've got this unique and powerful influence that we can live out in the world. Not because we follow a whole lot of rules, not because we, we become powerful or anything like that, but because we become more and more like the king. Because when we are part of the kingdom, when we embrace the kingdom, we begin to have the attitudes of those in the kingdom and the influence of those in the kingdom, like the attitude and influence of Jesus. Now, Jesus shifts gears. As he's talked about, blessed are these people, blessed are those people, and then he says, you're the salt and you're the light. Now, he shifts gears. And as Debbie reminded us, Andy Stanley says of this part of the Sermon on the Mount, most people who say they love the Sermon on the Mount probably haven't read the whole thing through properly. Jesus does that gear shift, and, and the temptation is now we have that lemon moment. 
that moment where this is great and then all of a sudden, I don't want to listen. You see, Jesus introduces us like this. He says, you have heard it said. You have heard it said. And, and Debbie reminded us that as we hear some of the things Jesus said, we get this kind of reaction, this kind of, whoa, okay, he said that. But, but, but now, in a sense, he, he, he makes it even harder. He, he, it gets really interesting to use a, a colloquialism. Now, the Sermon on the Mount gets hectic. It goes from that to this. Because Jesus said, you've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said, and he talks about a whole lot of rules. And then he says, but I say. And to be honest, when I first read this, this is how I reacted. Are you serious, Jesus? Wow. Wow. L -l Listen to it. And, and, and I think you'll get the same reaction to me. Listen to what Jesus says. Verse 21. You heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Wow. Um, you know, hell, hell. He, he threw it right in there for being angry. Not for murdering, we can all understand that. But wow. But he doesn't stop there. Verse 27, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole body to go into hell. Okay, so now three times I'm threatened with hell. I've lost an eye and an arm. Just for looking at somebody in the wrong way. It doesn't stop there. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And you can imagine his audience going, can we ask questions? You've just said some really hectic stuff. Could we ask? And nope. Jesus just keeps rolling. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the oaths that you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair black or white. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Wow. Okay, so hell, three or four times, hands cut off. And now, anything you say other than yes. You know, pinky swear? A promise. Apparently, it's from the evil one. Still, he doesn't stop. You have heard it said, verse 38, 
eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Is anybody feeling inadequate or guilty yet? Yeah, he doesn't stop. Verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And shame, Matthew's sitting right there. He's a tax collector. He's one of Jesus' disciples. Wow, Jesus, be a bit sensitive to your guys, eh? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Okay, so, hands, eyes, gouged out, held several times, can't look, can't this, can't, oh, and just to draw a line under it, here's the standard, be perfect. <laughs> I reckon we can go home now. I reckon we can go home now. But let's not. Remember that remember that lemon kid? How often do you use lemons these days? You probably would have reacted like that the same way. But you use lemons all the time now. Sometimes in your tea. Sometimes to preserve things, sometimes to wash dishes, apparently, all the time. You see, that thing that at first glance, wow, we just want to go away from. Let's look at it a little more carefully. Let's really unpack what Jesus is doing here. You see, here's one of the, the really problematic issues with this. It kind of feels like there's the standard. And, and it's an impossible standard to achieve, because basically Jesus is unpacking the Ten Commandments. This is really what he's doing there, adding a few other things. And, and, and he's taking this impossible standard that none of us can achieve anyway, and it seems like he's going like this. You've heard it said it's over here, but I'm telling you, it's over there. And it, it almost feels like he's making the already impossible even more impossible. But I want to tell you, that's not what Jesus is doing. Jesus isn't taking the laws of, of Israel and making them the laws of the kingdom that are now even more impossible to achieve. What is he doing? He's teaching us what it's going to look like inside your heart when you are truly in God's kingdom. When you have lived in God's kingdom and allowed God to change you and shape you and mold you, he's busy teaching what it really looks like. 
It doesn't look like a bunch of people desperately trying to keep laws that they know they can't. Jesus is saying, what you will look like when you embrace the kingdom and when you live in it is you'll look like your heavenly father. What Jesus is saying when he says, you've heard it say, but I say, is he's telling you and I as his followers, listen to my voice. There are so many other voices out there telling you what to do. So many voices telling you, do anything you like. Other voices telling you, you must do this, 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 and this. And what Jesus is saying above all, learn to listen to my voice. Jesus is saying that as you come into his kingdom, as you allow his kingdom to shape and mold you, you will become more. More like him. What Jesus is really saying is the rules we have in our family aren't about rules. They're about values that we have in our hearts. They're about the values that we have in our heart. You see, Jesus knows that you and I are A-grade rule benders and twisters. He knows that. He knows that people will look at that rule that says you, you, you shouldn't murder. And, and, and if, you, if you hate somebody or call them a name, he knows that there are people that have never used any bad words ever. But they still have ways of describing people that cut them down and make them nothing and end up doing exactly what Jesus is saying you shouldn't do. But they've kept the rules. They didn't call anybody up. And Jesus says, that's not what it's about. See, what it's about is what's going on inside your heart. And, and guaranteed, Jesus says, when, when it's in your heart, when the values are there, then you're, you won't even have to worry about keeping the rules because by nature you will keep the rules. But it starts inside. And, 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 and listen to what Jesus does. Just watch how he does it. As he presents a value, and then he, he presents a way of beginning to live out that value. For example, he starts there, that first statement, the one about murder. He points out, here's the law. You shall not murder. You've heard it said, and, and that's a law. It's in the Bible. You can go and look. He says, but, but you know what? Actually, the killing of people isn't the problem here. Let's look at the underlying issue and attitude that leads to murder. And what is the underlying issue and attitude? It's anger. And the truth is, we live in an angry world, don't we? We live in an incredibly angry world. We, when last did you discover yourself in a situation where your anger just... And, and maybe, maybe you're one of those people who can't control it. You know, and, and actually it flares and everybody runs for cover. Or maybe you've been practicing these rules for a long time. And you can still have a volcano inside you and a smile on your face. 
I know that kind of person well because I'm one of those. So we apply the rule to our outside, but on inside it's just... And Jesus is saying, that's what you've got to deal with. That's what you've got to deal with. And then he goes on to say, hey, here are some actions. Here are some actions that you can take practically in your life that can help you deal with that specific issue. Don't go around calling people names. Don't go around saying things to people that put them down. Because the problem is you're in the danger of the fire of hell. Learn to change what's deep down inside of your heart. So if this is all about values, what are those values? And so now we're going to look at, at, at a couple of those passages. And I, I want to encourage you, we're going quickly here. We're doing what Jesus did. This is, this is expository preaching, but it's Jesus' style. It goes really quickly. And so I, I want to encourage you to go home, and if you've got the opportunity, read through the Sermon on the Mount. Just so you know, the whole thing takes 16 minutes to read. The whole thing. Okay, it's not a lot of time. And so Jesus begins with this this value. You and I will be more when we value other human beings like God values them. We will be more, we will be more like Jesus when we attach the same value to other human beings that God attaches to them. And he uses two specific laws. The one is the law on murder, and the other one is the whole thing around adultery. And and, then he begins to unpack. He says, guys, it's, it's not about the action that's on the outside. It's about truly what's going on inside of your own heart. When we call somebody a name, we degrade the image of God in them. You see, everybody, every human being that ever lived carries around inside them the image of God. And so when we become unjustly angry, when we call somebody a name, or when we kill them, We essentially do the same thing. We question the Creator. And we say, Yana, you made a mistake here. And God says, I don't make mistakes. Or when we look at a woman as an object. See, that's what's happening. In murder and adultery, we, we turn other human beings into objects. And we say, I can make a decision about you. I can use your life if I want to. Even if I just use it in my own brain, I don't actually act it out. I've still turned you into nothing. Perhaps one of the greatest illustrations of this, where Jesus tries to get people to go from what's going on with their laws to, in their hearts, is that story where a woman caught in adultery is brought to Jesus. And Jesus brings, these people bring this woman. She's committed committed a sin. She was caught in the act. Jesus does something really interesting. We all want to jump to the end of that story where Jesus says to her, go and sin no more. But, But the truth is, he's actually said the same thing to everybody there. 
Because he looks at all these people who want to stone her and he says, that's fine. The law says you can do that. But this is how it's going to happen here. The person without sin, you go throw the first stone. (laughs) What's he doing? He's making them examine their hearts. He's making them look inside them. They were going to, in their minds, do something that was actually righteous. The law said that they should do that. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, I need you to look inside your heart. The Bible says they, they then looked inside their heart, and they dropped their stones, and one by one, they walked away. And then Jesus says to her, where are they? She says, they're gone. She says, I don't condemn you either. See, that's what Jesus is doing here. He's saying to those Pharisees, those law keepers, guys, actually you are really valuable to me. And I want you to examine your heart. And he's saying to the sinful woman, you're really valuable to me. I need you to examine your heart. We need, if we're going to be more, if we're going to be truly citizens of the kingdom, we need to value human relationships like God values them. But then there's a second, a second value that you and I need to live out that Jesus points to. We as citizens of the kingdom need to be more by valuing faithful and faithfulness and commitment and integrity. And Jesus uses two illustrations here. He talks about the law of divorce. And then the law of oath-keeping, both of which were were quite well documented in the Old Testament. And he says, I need you to have a value. A value that says, if I make a commitment to somebody else, I do not break it. You you notice that that this commitment, the one... uh, the marriage one is an illustration about a commitment to another human being. The oath one is a promise you make to God. And basically what God is saying is you need to treat what you say to other people in the same way as what you treat the things you say to me. You need to get that value into your heart. That value that says no matter what, no matter what it costs me, When I say yes, I mean yes. And when I say no, I mean no. You see, and once again, this isn't a a rule that says you're not allowed to take an oath in a court of law. This isn't a rule that says you're not allowed to sign an affidavit. Because our legal system requires us to do that. You're not sinning when you're doing that. But when you are making a business deal, or when you're making a promise to another human being, you just need to say to them, I'm going to do it. And then they know you're going to do it. Because you value integrity like God values integrity. The Bible says God never breaks a promise. And then finally, Jesus says, you and I will be more when we learn to live out the value of humility and service. 
And he begins that story. You've heard it said an eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I say don't resist. This is often one of the hardest ones. And again, we turn it into rules and say, oh, does that mean every time a beggar asks me for something, I must give him everything? (laughs) Jesus isn't saying that. He's not trying to make you obey a whole bunch of new rules. What he's trying to say is that when I encounter other human beings, if I can serve them, I must serve them. If If I can give to them, I must give to them. I must consider others more highly than myself. That's what Jesus is saying here. Perhaps human beings that have best embodied this are people like Martin Luther King Jr. or or Gandhi or even Nelson Mandela when he came out of prison. He said, look, I'm an an influential human being. I, I have power. I can make a thing go one way, but I'm choosing not to. I'm choosing rather to take the punishment on myself. You deserve it. You deserve to have revenge taken on you, but I'm going to take it on myself. Have you ever heard that story before? Have you ever heard that story? With somebody with power and influence and the ability to do anything they want when they crunch confront human beings in need, whether that's a need for forgiveness or a need for material something, says, you know what? You have needs, and I'm going to meet those needs for you. Have you heard that story before? If you haven't, don't worry, because you're going to see that story in a few moments. You see, this part of the Sermon on the Mount isn't about a new set of rules It's about how highly God values love. See, you and I will be more. Not when we keep more rules, but when those values are in our hearts. And Jesus ends this thing by saying, we must value love more than anybody else. Be perfect, he says, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. And what Jesus is saying there is you and I must pursue loving God with all our heart, soul, and strength. And when we do that, we will get closer and closer and closer to perfection. We're not going to get closer and closer to perfection by keeping more and more and more and more rules. That will not bring us closer to perfection. It will kill us. But as we live out the values of God's kingdom, the values of humility, the values of faithfulness, the values of other human beings, we will discover that we are living out the value of God's perfect love. Oliver Wendell Holmes, a famous American judge, said these words. Most people are willing to have the Sermon on the Mount as a flag to sail under. 
but few will use it as a rudder by which to steer. See, and that's exactly what Jesus has been saying in this passage. You can hold up all the keeping of these laws as much as you like as a flag, and everybody's going to think you're wonderful. He says, I don't care about that. What I care about is, are you using these values to steer the ship of your life by? It's not what we do. It's who we are. And who we are is to be more like Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this amazing sermon of yours. Lord, thank you that your your passion isn't that we do more, but that we be somebody that we be those who live out the values of your kingdom, that we be those who become more like you. Lord, thank you. Amen.